questions Jeff and his reply was how dare you question your god I guess like a stop talking please Fine. let the man speak the image of Christ was actually me the second coming not Jesus the first coming it's insane what I ask of you for you to have my divine light and yet you get it do you not how much power have I given to these people dissolve the illusion and recognize that you're actually a man Dude, I felt like I didn't recognize is it myself. just me or is Mr. Beast so much about insane myself. these days Welcome to Court Killers Reckoning. The world of entertainment is turned upside down. We're just trying to find out how to watch what we want, where we want, whenever we want. I'm Tom Merritt. Where's the good stuff, Brian? (laughs) Apparently it's whatever we just saw. Bryce, would you care to elucidate? Yeah, that was a trailer for Netflix's upcoming three-part documentary, Escaping Twin Flames, which takes a look at the Twin Flames universe. It was an Mm. online class that preyed on singles and said, if if you buy this course, you're going to permanently fall in love with the person that you're destined to fall in love with. It was a cult. Uh, Pretty bad stuff happened. That is streaming on Netflix November 8th. Uh, Interesting. Apparently, the people behind this did one of the Nexium documentaries. One of them. I don't know which one. Nexium. That's a medicine. At what point do documentarians... It's also a sex... It's also a sex. It's also a sex. Like, 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 how many hits does a documentarian have before they're like, man, we have to, we need another cult. Looks left, looks right. Wouldn't it be a shame if somebody created another cult so that we could make a oh, hit you're, you're documentary on it? It's an industry plant? Yeah. Let me just put you full screen in 4K so that when they use this source footage in 18 months, uh, they can pull directly <laughs> from you. Pull you know what? what? Let's Brian immediately Rush. cut over to our guest, Hammond. <laughs> Hello, guys. How is everybody? So far, so good. It rained today, which is a big deal in Austin. <laughs> oh, braggers. You get waterfall yeah. from the Ooh, sky. You have weather. <laughs> we we haven't had rain since the hurricane. So. <laughs> this We've is the weather rain, chat. What other Utah. weather chat did you expect? Come get this Hot enough for you? Let's go on a supply run. <laughs> supply run. Supply run. Supply run. <laughs> I felt it too, Bryce. I, I, I felt that urge to like, you know, draw tribal lines at that moment. <laughs> this is uh, this is supply run. This is where we we look at the info out there that can can help us figure out how to supply our need for television and entertainment. One of our main suppliers is Netflix, but Netflix is making it less enticing to be your place for watching. Uh, however, more of you are choosing to watch it anyway. The company added. 9 million subscribers worldwide last quarter and attributed the growth in part to its password crackdown. So as Brian has been good at pointing out, uh, that's, that's a one-time hit. We're going to, we'll see how long that increase lasts. Uh, Netflix also announced it will raise prices in the United States, UK, and France. Here are the U S price increases. I don't think they're as bad as a lot of people think. So pay attention. The standard plan with ads does not go up. That one stays $6.99. The basic plan without ads isn't available anymore. 
So if you're a new subscriber, this one's irrelevant, but if you are currently on the basic plan without ads, instead of kicking you off, they're just raising it $2 a month to $11.99. The standard plan without ads is available for everybody. That one stays at $15.49. They are not raising that. So the only one they're raising that's actually available to new subscribers is the premium plan. That's the one with 4K, more simultaneous streams. And that one is going up $3, Brian, to $22.99 a month. Is that still worth it? I, I feel like I'm no longer qualified to really chime in on what is reasonable and what is not. Um, I, I, once we crossed the threshold into becoming reporters on it. It's the Heisenberg principle. Like we are mm. affecting it just by being part of it. Uh, so I would be more interested to hear Hammond's opinion on whether or not this is reasonable or not. My experience with Netflix in the last year has been relatively poor. I have grown tired of their, there's only been like one or two documentaries I've enjoyed. The, Korean TV shows they're porting over to America, both the reality and the Squid Game type, are fine for a while, but they only, I mean, they only last a little bit. I find myself watching Hulu and Max and Prime a lot more these days. I don't know how much, I don't think I spend much time except for like the British Bake Off watching Netflix anymore, really. Have you canceled? to, to, uh, To be honest, like I'm on the same page, but, but, but I don't feel like I should cancel because I have, I have kids, I have, you know, uh, my my wife and so on. Um, like, 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 uh, Bryce, are, are you still married to Netflix or not really? I, every once in a while I'll get one show that I'll watch and I'll binge and it'll be great. Um, but then every few months I go, I feel like, eh, maybe I should, eh, I should probably think about it. Cause I'm always thinking Anybody about it. Canceled? <laughs> I'm always thinking about it, right? Like Hulu, was like Hulu, was it Max? What? Cause I watch a lot of Max stuff right now. Maybe I just don't need Netflix. It's a lot of services at once. There was a time in the not too distant past where Netflix was cranking out must see streaming every three to six months. They were putting out new shows that were the thing we all talked about. And as time has progressed, they do that less and less. And the quality of some of the things they're putting out that's original, like scripted content, isn't as good as it used to be. Hammond, uh, what would be the last time you would absolutely bless a Netflix original as a must-watch, water-cooler, talk-about kind of show? Non-documentary or anything? Anything. Anything. Okay, the, the the Hoffman documentary, the uh, Madness and the Mormons, the bomber guy here in Salt Lake, that was the last time I felt like it was must-watch. Everyone was watching it TV. I think it's become different from everybody, too. Like, I, I think Netflix felt that way when it was new. Like, Stranger Things, The Crown, when those were new. Uh, they've ha- they have a lot of return House of things. Cards like back in the day. back. Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of the stuff we we discount. Like, well, they haven't had a new one come back. Well, yeah, they had Stranger Things and they had The Crown, but those are old, right? When Where's the new one? I think we got used to new, and there's more competition. So I think there's more things that are grabbing our attention than back when Netflix, in, to your point, Brian, in the House of Cards days, was the only one. So I, I think there's a lot of grumbling about Netflix just because it's been around for so long. 
But I, I keep repeating the question, how many people have canceled? Like, they, I think a lot of people grumble, but they don't quit it. Uh, let, let me turn that on its head. Like, like many people have heard me for years give the consistent advice of every three months, cancel everything. Then right. the moment you want something, get it again. I have not followed my own advice. I have never, ever canceled Netflix. I think it might be time for me to cancel Netflix. And see how long you go. Yeah. And, and then the moment I hear about something I want to watch, go watch it. Mm -hmm. So we did something very similar to that not too long ago. We kind of went through all of our streaming services and chopped off the ones really no one was. We had like a family meeting and we chopped off the ones no one was watching. And then we then kind of adjusted some of our subscriptions. And I tell you what, it made things, I mean, cheaper, but it also made our watching a little more streamlined because we now are, have the things we know we want to watch and the, the streaming services we want to watch them on. One thing you'll be able to watch pretty soon on Netflix is Formula One drivers playing golf with PGA golfers live. Uh, the competition will be called the Netflix Cup taking place at the Wynn Golf Course in Las Vegas and will air live on Netflix November 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific. And of course, you'll be able to watch it on demand afterwards. Bryce, I, uh, you're a fan of Formula One on mm. a scale of par three to 140 miles per hour. How excited are you? <laughs> uh, I would say I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an eagle. I'm an eagle, but I'm an eagle going really fast on, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on that, on that that's scale. That's good. That's a, that's a high rating. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, uh, j jokes aside, I think this is absolutely brilliant. I think this is brilliant beyond words. I, I think this is brilliant to the level of a uh, celebrity jeopardy or, or the time that the Royal family did, uh, essentially American gladiators or, or whatever, like, like, um, Take people who understand one thing, introduce them to another thing. Maybe everybody wants to watch both things. Yeah, I mean, there, there's also a lot of crossover, right? The four Formula One golfers that they picked are known for also liking golf. You know, they're, they're, they're just known for being golf buddies. So, so that makes it easy. Golf, also probably a relatively easy game to make a live production out of. Um, Certainly, if you if you go and contract with someone who already does a, a golf broadcast, uh, I I think this is this is interesting. I uh, uh, I'm a little bummed. It's happening two days before I fly to Vegas, so there's no chance of me <laughs> having any chance to go see oh, it. Oh, what's this? You're you're going to Vegas? Where did where did where did this come from? Oh, uh, well, we we talked all about it on the Great Night podcast. Check it out, greatnight.tv. For driving people to to new content on Netflix, remember, they don't stream Formula One or golf, uh, but they do have the documentaries. They have Full Swing and they have Formula One Drive to Survive. So potentially that's one of the things they're thinking, Brian, is, is get the golfers to watch and get interested in the Formula One personalities and then maybe watch Drive to Survive. Well, it, it, this is... Or vice versa. One of those... Um... On the surface, they seem like um, minor things, but truly they're they're playing the long game. It's like if you could take the characters from F1 and the possibility of, of eventually acquiring some kind of golf something or other 
and you can make us fall in love with the characters now for free as a gift, then when some kind of like pro-am tour happens and it's an exclusive that is live on Netflix, you're going to be sitting pretty is what I assume their play is. I don't know that they want to pay to get into the golf game, especially with Saudi Arabia and the live tournament and all of that. Uh, but I think you're right that they are flexing their, or, or building their muscles for live sports at some point. And you'll probably see them do more of this kind of thing where it's like, well, we're not going to, we're not going to do the official announcement. Uh, we're not going to do the official stuff, but we could, we could create events. Um, and you know, there's all those rumors that they were thinking about bringing on the world surfing league. So maybe it's something like that, or, or maybe they just create a league of their own for something. And, and this is the first of many steps to get there. Uh, it would take a lot, but this, this could be the first. For me, this is like one step away from Battle of the Network Stars. I just yeah, keep yeah. waiting for them to now do golf with Formula One and the cast from Stranger Things. And then you bring in, you know, whatever, the Squid Game people to play golf. I just, it just feels, it feels super novelty, but I also understand where Brian's coming from, where this is laying the groundwork for something else. Well, and, 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 and nothing and, else, it builds their live, their live streaming experience, which they, they are continuing to do. They did the animals, they did the aborted attempts to do the reality show finale. They did the Chris rock special. So they're, they're building up more and more of these. Well, and, and uh, keep, keep in mind that sports is a, a framework, a structure that we can map onto characters and situations, right? So let, uh, let's take the Avengers, for example, right? The, the entire cast of the Avengers is going to play shuffleboard. Uh, most people don't know or care about shuffleboard, but we all know what charities they're playing for and what beefs they have over what scenes from the MCU or whatever. Like, that's something that we could tune into. And then before you know it, suddenly shuffleboard becomes a thing. Yeah. Or marbles. Or cornhole. Yeah. 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 Uh, finally, on the Netflix earnings call, co-CEO Ted Sarandos said streaming numbers transparency will become more common. He explained why Netflix used to think numbers didn't need to be public, saying... Our creators felt like they were pretty trapped in this kind of overnight ratings world and weekend box office world, defining their success and failures. And as we all know, a show might have enormous success down the road, and it wasn't captured in that opening box office. So he's trying to say, people didn't want to be beholden to ratings. That's why we didn't care about them, because it wasn't important. Uh, but he said, relationships with talent rather than business objectives used to motivate the lack of transparency. But over time, and I'll quote again, people are much more interested in this, you know, like it's written into the WGA contract, for an example. Uh, Serendo said of data arguing that Netflix has been leading the charge with its top 10 lists and other numbers that it has volunteered. It's almost as though individuals value currencies differently. Like you could get paid or you could know that you're the most popular blankety blank in category blankety blank or whatever. Uh, I, I, I think this is astute and has been inevitable for a very long time. And I'm, I'm glad to see them uh, uh, accommodating the talented performers who are deeply demanding validation as artists. I always bought the idea that Netflix didn't need to go by the numbers. It just needed to go by re subscriber retention. Uh, but 
I also understand why people working on the shows, not even just the actors, but you know, the writers and the producers, uh, want to know if their show is doing better than others, not even just for status, definitely for that, Brian, but also so they can, you know, justify their requests for getting paid a share of the success that Netflix has, which is not as straightforward as it was in an overnight ratings world with advertising, but it's still worth something to be able to say. It's why they fought so hard to get it in that WGA agreement. Yeah, I feel like this is a... a a good move. I feel like they should have done a long time ago, but I also think there's a lot of other companies that are going to start revealing these numbers and it's more like peer pressure than leading the way in some ways. And I don't think Nielsen's going to die. I think there's everybody's going to have numbers and then everybody's going to stop like, well, you only want to release the numbers when they look good to you, or you make your numbers look better because you use a different metric. We need a standard uh, maybe somebody else unseats Nielsen in that. Maybe they don't. Nielsen's positioned itself with the gauge and other things to be the, the arbiter, just like they were for broadcast, just like they were for cable, to be like, we have the independent numbers that everybody can agree on. Yeah. Speaking of independent I, I, numbers, Tom, the only independent number I care about is the validation of how many people are paying uh, Lincoln's in the form of pennies mm. and Washington's in the form of dollars to let us know exactly how good we're doing at being loud, live and independent right here at cordkillersreckoning.org. Now listen, <laughs> what? Cordkillersreckoning.org? Is that a real thing? I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out. It, th he misspoke all, and he is, can't say he misspoke. This is all mm. new to all of us. We, sure, he, sure. He was prideful in him. <laughs> Listen, we're going to forgive Brian for that the way we'll forgive you if you accidentally give us the Lincoln that's on the $5 instead of the penny, right? Whatever you want to give us is fine. We are not going to judge. But most importantly, you'll get your own RSS feed. You'll get exclusive access to the After Talk segment. You'll get everything in one RSS feed. So everything shows up every single time. Please, please, please support us. Head on over to patreon.com slash killers. Keep us loud, live, and independent. For pennies a day. And After Talk, After Talk's never been better. After Talk's the most fun thing you've ever heard. I mean, and if you're not I, a patron, you're missing. Not for nothing. Now that we're inviting everybody to the party, we're going to make sure the party's really good. Yeah. Patreon.com slash cord killers. All right. Time to put together our search party. <laughs> Swear price. We're going to have a whole conversation. Uh, supply run gets us all the supplies we need to watch the stuff and the search party brings it back for us to watch. The Billboard Music Awards is leaving traditional TV. After jumping from Fox to ABC to NBC, this year's broadcast will just be on Billboard's website and its social media channels in partnership with Spotify. Spotify will identify uh, groups who will be invited, like super fans of, of, of groups that are part of the BBMAs, and then they will be invited to attend in-person special performances around the world. Since they don't have to have one stage for NBC or ABC to be at, they're going to have multiple stages all over the planet. Uh, they will join some concerts already in progress. My guess, Taylor Swift will get nominated a lot. She has a concert the same day as the Billboard Music Awards in Rio, so 
they'll probably strike a deal to join Taylor at her concert and do a live broadcast along with the BBMAs. Uh, the Billboard Music Awards take place on November 19th. Uh, th this is a bit out of step with what we've seen over the last 10 years. Like, like they're a little bit late to play this game, but I, but I think it's the right play for them. Like, 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 go ahead and acknowledge, like, find one partner that is totally about what you're about and and just shrug at everybody else. Like, I think what's interesting here is Spotify is the partner bringing the audience, not the partner doing the streaming, right? Uh, yes. I, 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 Hammond, uh, when's, when's the last time you cared about the Billboard Music Awards? Okay, so this is actually, this is exactly where I was going with my <laughs> thoughts, is that this is not because they're doing something unique. They're doing it because no one's watching. And they figure if they send them over there to the website, the people who will be watching will really care. I think this will be a move that the Tonys do. I think the AMAs will yes. do it. I think maybe the Oscars will do it. I don't think that they can justify the cost of an ad on standard TV because no one's watching anymore and they need to do something else. And I think this is the first group that figured out, oh, we could just put it on our own website the, and go that I'll route. amend that. I'll amend that a little bit. They're watching on Twitter, on TikTok, on <laughs> Spotify. Like, this yes. is so smart. I, Billboard Music I Awards know the majority of their audience are like, eh, I don't, even if they have cable, they're not turning it on, but they probably don't even have cable. They don't have broadcast. They don't want to get rabbit ears. So they just go on TikTok and look at the performances, look at the, the acceptance speeches that they want to. So Billboard Music Awards are like, well, then that's where we should broadcast, where those people are looking for us in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I thought I had a correction. I don't. You're, you're, you guys are right. <laughs> Deadline says Did Disney is working on a live action Gargoyles reboot. Uh, the reboot apparently centers around Goliath, who is going to be trying to solve the mystery of his past by helping a New York detective watch over the city. Uh, the original animated Gargoyles ran from 94 to 97. Among the voice cast for this reboot, are Ed Asner, Marina Sirtis, and Jonathan Frakes. Uh, did you guys watch the show while it was current at the time? I did not. Uh, no, not I, really. I just happened to be like in my own apartment for the first time in my early days of college. And uh, I just loved that it was a slow motion reassembly of Star Trek The Next Generation cast at the, at the time. Um, I'm just kind of behind whatever they want to do. <laughs> I wish I wish I had something uh, more artistically justifiable, but I'm just really happy this is happening. I, and by the way, Bryce uh, very nicely noted in chat that that casting announcement, I said, I, I mistakenly implied that that is the casting for the current thing. That is the casting from the past. That's why Brian is referring to it as a TNG reunion because Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy, uh, Jonathan Frakes. We don't know the voice cast for the new one. Correct. Also, Ed Asner, not so much alive. I this totally AI. missed me. I was already married and kind of stuck in a in a in a professional world, and I never watched any of it. However, I do have friends who swear by this as one of the greater cartoons ever made. Uh, it's it's better than it ever needed to be, which was really impressed me it's like you had you had creatures that were kind of wrestling with 
their in-between status between, you know, monsters and humans and so on, also voiced by many familiar characters from TNG. The Boys spinoff Gen V will get a second season on Prime Video. Uh, the finale of season one uh, will be streaming November 3rd, so you can catch up on season one still if you want. Bryce, you and I were talking about how much uh, Gen V we were watching, right? Well, in a way, I'm always talking about how much Gen V I'm watching. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not watching. Underlying everything Bryce said. Any Sorry, at all. maybe I was confused. It was Hammond and I. Oh, Hammond, maybe, you maybe. and I were talking about how we were watching all of these episodes, right? I, I, I maybe it's just that I, if we had, I would have been lying because I haven't watched any of them either. Sorry. I, maybe it was me and Tom. Tom, we've been watching this show, right? Because we love the boys. We were definitely earlier today talking about the fact that no one is talking about watching. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the very real laptop that they're holding in the screenshot. Yeah. They gave to the press. Yeah. That is um, not a fake laptop. Could 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 be great. Please let us know if we should this, watch it. I was going to say this could be a blind spot where you know old people like us just aren't aren't in the circles where everybody's talking about this because it is getting renewed for a second season. Yeah. Uh, let's talk documentaries then, because that's what people like us watch. Netflix released a trailer for a documentary about Sylvester Stallone called Sly. Sly made its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival and will release globally on Netflix on November 3rd, same day as Gen V. Uh, do you think it's no. our job to compare it to the Arnold documentary? Is yes. is, is that the game Possibly. they're setting up? Possibly is our doc. Or the Michael yeah. Jordan one. Yes, mm, okay. All three. Three, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah Waddingham, if you're like, why does that sound familiar? Uh, she plays Rebecca in Ted Lasso. Uh, she is also a singer, which kind of slowly was worked into the plot of Ted Lasso over the seasons. Uh, she has a holiday special called Home for Christmas, which will come to Apple TV November 22nd. Do we think this is a coy? And to be honest, if I was a better uh, co-host, I would actually do the research. But but if it's anything like uh, your... Um, uh, I, I, uh, oh, doggone it. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rick Astley? Uh, no, no, no. John no. Denver Muppet Christmas? No, no, no. The the, the good one. Um, Michael Bublé? <laughs> Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. If it's like the Michael Bolton Valentine's Day special. It won't be. It will be like the five other holiday specials Apple TV Plus has done. <sighs> yeah. I mean, there's hope because Hannah Waddingham can be funny. But I'm with you, Bryce. I think it's just going to be a normal holiday special because that's what Bring she wants the to do. Muppets, she just wants make to it better. Yeah. yeah. Get some Muppets. Charlie Brown. Get Charlie Brown. Char a Hanny a Hannah Waddingham, Charlie Brown. You're a Hanny Waddingham, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Here's one that's uh, slipping in under the radar. Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red, a new original special coming to Disney Plus this Friday. Yeah. How, how much are we expecting out of... Uh... What could you possibly expect from an animated Lego uh, a show? Hey, what do I'm I will say, I will say Lego Batman was actually one of the better Batman films I've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, and and the video game wasn't wasn't bad. Those video, yeah, those I, those games it's a are special 
Obviously, Disney isn't throwing a ton of money into promoting it. Yeah, because I, I haven't heard too much about it either. But I'll be honest, it doesn't look horrible. The premise is the collector is trying to collect the Avengers and they're trying to avoid him. For, for a Lego kids-oriented special, doesn't seem too bad. Disney dropped a trailer for season two of The Santa Clauses which stars Tim Allen. Santa Claus's premieres on Disney Plus November 8th with two episodes followed by new episodes weekly. Season two. Uh, I watched the trailer and to be mm -hmm. honest, like um, for, from somebody who has not invested himself in the Santa Clausiverse, um, <laughs> it does seem like a sensible follow-up of once you've established a, uh, a canonical Santa Claus successor then this would be a pretty good way is to have an old guard versus a new guard that needs to be trained up etc etc yeah it's fine it's fine my wife watched the first season and thoroughly enjoyed it and she would tell me i need to watch it and i would say i'll get to it when i can get to it and i still haven't gotten to it well you got till november 8th to finish up so you <laughs> it's can like, start season it's like a gift waiting for you <laughs> yeah between now, now and december 25th one of the things about us reaching the stage of reckoning with cord cutting uh, is that the rules are off. Anybody can do anything now. You can show whatever you want, wherever you want. This story is a great example of this. Season four of the streaming series The Chosen, which is about the life of Jesus, will premiere first in theaters in February as a Fathom Events special. So episodes one through three will play starting February 1st. Then you can go back and see episodes four through six on February 15th and episodes seven and eight uh, a week after that. Uh, it also streams on several fast services. If you want to catch up on the previous services, you can go to like Peacock, Netflix. I think Freebie has it too. It's, it's in a lot of places. So it's an interesting strategy to take your series, put it in as many places as possible, as free as possible, uh, but then also now that you've got a few seasons under your belt and you've got a devoted audience to, you know, drum up some excitement to come pay for a theater showing. I am strongly in favor with experimenting with theatrical experiences. Like, like we are in a very unique experience in that uh, we're only a year and a half into people going back outdoors and as long as that's the case, let's try everything to get people into theaters because there is something electric and different about being there next to all of your friends clapping and laughing and having a good time. I, I agree. I think that any chance we can get to change it and modify it and kind of remind us why we like going to movie theaters, I think it's a good thing because I, I agree. There is something fun about going out, getting popcorn, sitting in the dark with a lot of people you don't know and sharing an experience that kind of is common. You laugh at the same places and you kind of have that shared experience walking out. And I think that it's something we've been missing and I, I kind of like to get back to it. I think the 90 day window put, window put a stranglehold on theaters to say, we are only for movies. We are only for blockbuster movies. And because they've gotten rid of that window and then therefore are forced to be more experimental and have more inventory where it's like, well, it's not, it's not taken up with that 90 day window for a show that only two people come to see at a time. 
they're able to try different stuff like this, which opens up the theater for more Fathom Events experiments, for more Taylor Swift and Beyonce concert movie experiences. So I think this is, uh, I, I think it's interesting. And I think we're going to see more and more experimental uh, uses of theaters uh, for stuff like this. Uh, the opposite direction, uh, BTS's last concert before uh, members started their compulsory military service was last October in Busan. It played in theaters in February, and it's now coming to streaming. Uh, the concert film of that performance, BTS Yet to Come, headed to Amazon Prime Video November 9th. Yep. <laughs> I'll, watch that with Gen- I'll watch that with Gen V. All right. Uh, And then Prime Video announced the Fallout TV series will premiere April 12th, 2024. Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy of Westworld fame are EPs on the series. But Geneva robertson Dwarrett and Graham Wagner are the showrunners. So remember, it's coming out of their company, uh, Nolan and Joy, but they are not the showrunners. Series is an original story based on the games and with Bethesda on board as producers will be considered canon. Yeah, uh, 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 I I have a complicated 30-year history with this franchise, and I like it a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if it went all the way back to the beginning, which it kind of implies that it might, uh, which is quite simply one vault needs a water chip. One person is sent out to be the wanderer to encounter the wider world around. Um I, I certainly trust the Westworld team when it comes to uh, uh, the quality and the rich visuals and all that. Um, uh, especially, I'm very happy that there's a, a lot of rage. You sound so unhappy. I, you I, sound I, so I, unhappy right now. You sound very worried, Brian. You couldn't sound any less unhappy about all of the words you're trying to find to say about this show. There's All you're missing is a things, sofa you're laying on. There's a, there's a lot of things that in another world I would be worried about, hmm. but there are guardrails that make me very pleased, and I hope it's good. That's about as much as I could say. It has the potential to be amazing, right? Yes. But you don't want it to fall well below those well, and, and plus also yeah. i've already been ruined because silo is so good silo is is the majority of, of, of it's got a lot of fallout in it yeah no, right no yeah all right uh time to get your shovels folks let's find out what we dug up in the buried treasure most people want to know why they suddenly got rich buried treasure hammond what have you been watching lately? I have discovered Schmigadoon on Apple TV, and I love it. I'm a fan of musicals, and the first season I thought was great, and the second season is even better. They are all scratching all the musical itches that I've had for ages, and I want more. So if, if you like a good musical comedy, Schmigadoon is your one? Yeah. What it does is it takes... So in the first one, the first season, they basically took all of the classic old American musicals and then kind of played off all those tropes and all those kind of storylines for the season in this kind of mystical world of Schmigadoon. And now they were trying to get back to Schmigadoon, but they ended up in Schmigadoon 2. They actually ended up in Schmicago. 
And now ah, they're doing all the uh-huh. edgier movies from the, or the edgier musicals from the sixties and seventies. So there's hair and, uh, and, uh, you know, Sweeney Todd and uh-huh, Chicago uh-huh. and all these other musicals. And they're all making jokes about that one. So I'm interested to see where they go with season three, because there's a lot of really interesting musicals that came out. Oh, in it's got to be Andrew and Webber for season three, right? Yeah. <laughs> the shamantum of the schmig no, not that. Schmizus, schmeist, schmoopers, smart. Schlemiel, schlemazel. Uh, Brian, what you been watching? <laughs> I finally finished uh, What We Do in the Shadows. I, I think both of you guys, uh, Tom and Bryce, had already seen all of them, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a good season. Uh, it was a great season. I was unprepared because they they set up some pretty complicated problems and that last episode was an absolute delight where it's like, uh, oh, we're going to have this frustrating ending. Oh, unless we have this complicated ending. No. What if everybody was happy at the end? And I loved it upside down and sideways. Uh, I love the cameos that showed up in the last episode. I loved everything about it. It was great, 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 great. Yeah, 100% agree like the the individual episodes were strong all the way through uh and and the uh, I, w- I was on the edge of my seat for that that finale the same as you wondering like really are they gonna go there oh no oh wait are they gonna go there oh no are we really just gonna end up with like everybody in place for the next season oh yes that's what we're gonna do yeah, I, it was, it was like- I, I will say that the strongest standalone season was the one with the local news team uh, oh, that, yeah. that one was, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to know nothing about nothing. Just go watch that one. Excellent. Anything else? No. I want to mention, uh, my, my running commentary on Loki, uh, which is that it, it, it hit the ground running episode one. It has not maintained that pace. This latest episode was set in the 1800s. Uh, but it was a different kind of episode, which is good, right? It wasn't getting tired of the same old, same old. It, it was a very different kind of episode. It was a period piece, had a lot of steampunk fun stuff. Uh, Jonathan Majors shows up in this episode. If you're curious whether he was going to show up, he absolutely does. Um, and it leaves a lot of uh, fun, intrigue, hinty stuff to the wider universe while still being able to tell a compelling story set within that universe, I, I thought it was a, for the pacing, uh, a good place to be this this far into Loki, which is three. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to get caught up on Loki, but my my deep spiritual hope is that it becomes evil Doctor Who. Is 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 it getting close to that? Pretty clear. Pretty. I mean, you know how like the the second or third Doctor Who episode of, of every season is a, a trip back in time to a period piece. That's exactly what they did with Loki. So yeah, it's it's. Fairly close in that way this season. Okay, good. Uh, The other one I want to recommend is called Duna on Netflix. Uh, It's a Korean drama about an idol, a member of a a singing group, uh, who has taken a break from public life. And turns out she's renting the downstairs apartment in this shared house. uh, And a guy going to college doesn't know who she is uh, and is living upstairs and it's it's kind of a fun romance, but it's a fun romance in the sense that it's not a romance. It's not a like, will they, won't they? Uh, it's a way more complex college age story. And uh, the singer part uh, is is 
kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's, it's not snooty, uh, celebrity. It's not, uh, trying to hide celebrity. Uh, it's, uh, you know, borderline personality celebrity. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> really deep and, and really interesting. Uh, again, it is called Duna D O O N a on Netflix. Is that a series or a movie? It's a series. Yeah. It's okay. a, it's a 10 episode series and episodes are around an hour. Cause this is a Netflix original. So it wasn't made for broadcast. Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got an email. This email came in from our listener, and that listener's name was Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Nikki writes, hi, guys. I just wanted to suggest a great old-fashioned styled mystery for you called Neat. N-E-E-Y-A-T. It's very much an Agatha Christie style mystery. Great twists, great clues. I love the ending and the in credit scene. It feels very noir IMO. This is an Indian production, so subtitles warning. It takes place in an old Scottish castle. There's embezzling, blackmail, revenge, even uh, who's the daddy plot twists with a mm. dead body or two for spice. It is streaming on Amazon Prime. Love the show. Nikki M. from Omaha. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, this is interesting. I uh, I didn't realize this was an Indian show until I, or a movie until I flipped up, flipped, actually turned on the volume earlier today. Um, but it, uh, it it looks very, very, very well made. Neat uh, on Amazon Prime. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, it's got, it's got kind of a knives out sort of look to it, you yeah. know? Like modern meets noir kind of Agatha Christie style. I love that. Yeah. So that's Neat, N-E-E-Y-A-T. It's streaming now on Prime Video. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us. That email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. But how would you ever write an email? Oh, well, you'd probably fire up your doghouse system, right, Brian? Oh, heck yeah. As we all know, there's only one type of PC in the universe. It's a doghouse system, and you get one by going to doghousesystems.com slash rogue, spell it right, R-O-G-U-E. You'll get an extra SSD, and you'll be keeping us in business. But what are you going to do once you got that computer? You're going to use it to buy some stuff, right? Like yeah. our latest puzzle box the vox tempest uh, over uh, at scamstuff.com it's the beginning of a year-long arg adventure once you open it it's inspired by everything from uh, uh the golden record on the voyager to uh, uh actually anything else i say will be a spoiler uh, Spo uh, uh, it's a year-long arg adventure that begins in a puzzle box you're gonna love it what if i want something signed by you though uh, well then you can pay extra money for it that'd be a way better way to say it. okay there <laughs> uh, then i'll pay better word on scamstuff.com <laughs> that's great excellent folks well uh we have supplied ourselves we have searched for new things uh, and as as another day comes to an end in this post-apocalyptic post universe, <laughs> we are now scanning the horizon. Send a scanning to avoid. Scanning the horizon! Disney released numbers for its new sports division. Uh, the sports division at Disney is made up of ESPN. It's, pr it's pretty much entirely ESPN. Hmm. Uh, ESPN made $1.5 billion over the first nine months of the year, while the entertainment segment of Disney made $1.2 billion profit. So ESPN, more profitable, even though it brings in much less revenue. Sports revenue year-to-date was $13.2 billion. Entertainment was $31 billion. So 
we're getting more profit or Disney is getting more profit out of ESPN, uh, even though it brings in lower revenue. Eight billion of ESPN's revenue was from affiliate fees. That's the one everybody's worried about because as cable declines, the affiliate fees decline. 3.2 billion was from advertising and 1.1 billion was from subscriptions. That's pretty much ESPN plus. That's the one that has to grow to make up for anything they lose out of the 8 billion from affiliates. Whoa, 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 Tom. How many yes. writers does uh, sports ESPN imply, uh, employ? You mean the honest answer or the what they tell everyone answer? Because sports is real, Brian. There are no writers. I, I, well, that's okay. So let's make that zero. Um, uh, Actually, there's probably some writing in 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 the you know the intros and the scripts and then the, uh, and the thirty for thirty center. stuff and yeah yeah. But they, they run a but news division. Less, they have journalists. Sure, sure, sure. But ESPN, like like like, they're going to produce a, a big thing that everybody's going to watch. How much are they paying for sets and backgrounds and extras? Oh, that's the genius of it, Brian. They don't have to pay anything for that. They Ooh. just have to pay to get into the building. They just got to pay the rights to the NBA, and then the set's already there. Yeah, but it's not like the game's going to happen whether they show up or not, right? It, well, you know what? That's a good question. If ESPN didn't show up, they might cancel the game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, but, but, but yeah, that, theoretically, the old tree the falling in the wood question. Anyway, yeah. That aside, I think you pick up my point, <laughs> which yeah, is when you're actually crafting everything from the bottom up, narrative style costs a lot of money. When you're covering something that's going to happen, theoretically, one regardless of whether or not you show up or not, a uh, bit more margin. Yeah, I, I think we forget when we talk about, oh, sports rights are very expensive. Uh, yes, they are, but there's also less cost in the other production elements of it. Uh, and a lot of people love sports. So yeah, they're going to lose those affiliate fees, but they're going to gain a lot of subscription fees. They're going to, it's possible they could gain some advertising fees. Uh, the big worry, I think, is that a lot of those affiliate fees weren't real. Right, they were collected on everyone with a cable subscription, whether they watch whether they watched or, not. or what, not. Subscription yeah. fees will have to be higher than the affiliate fees were uh, to make up the difference between the people who want to pay for sports and the people who paid for sports even though they weren't watching them. Meanwhile, broadcast viewing rose 13% in September, according to Nielsen, and 30% among 18 to 54-year-olds. That's uh, thanks in large parts to the 360% increase in viewership of NFL and college football. Last year, the rise was 222%. Hmm. ESPN had the top 11 telecasts of the entire month, 10 of which were football, though cable, uh, though cable viewing in general fell 1.1%. Streaming declined uh, uh, for the second month, but still makes up 37.5% of viewing the largest of, uh, of the three platforms amazon prime video rose to the most with 7.5 percent viewing of net and netflix declined five percent also tubi had more viewership than max peacock or paramount plus wow I wonder why the huge increase in sports watching uh compared to last year like there's always a bounce back when college and, and pro football come back in the u.s but that much bigger 222% rise to 360% rise. And ESPN, to our point, making up the vast majority of that. Yeah, uh, better story runners. Is that what it, it's a better season? 
could it be better guest stars? Could could it be yeah. vaguely COVID related? Like like now that lockdown's over, people want to go to these events and people want to go to bars, sports bars, and watch all this stuff. Or people well, that would that would argue for a decline in the watching. This is people watching at home. Though you could I, argue I think, maybe maybe viewership, maybe television viewership was different. So that percentage, maybe the the bump is the same, but the percentage is a sign that maybe this year that viewership, television viewership, broadcast viewership was smaller, where that same bump looked bigger as three hundred sixty percent versus two hundred twenty percent. Brian's point is that people did that just not. In the fall, they did it in the summer, meaning less television viewership, meaning when they went back to watching football when it came out, there was a bigger rise. Yeah. Also, uh, artificial Sunday inflation. Ticket, maybe? Sunday Ticket? Yeah. Sunday Ticket coming honest. to YouTube that has more people watching it, um, but also Taylor Swift. I mean, I hate, I hate to be so simplistic, but I think you're right. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't <laughs> but explain Whatever all is happening there, it seems but to it be very But it some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and finally, John Stewart will not be making any more of his shows for Apple TV Plus. Uh, production was stopped a few weeks before shooting of season three was supposed to begin. New York Times says that that's because of episodes about AI and another one about China. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter says that Apple wanted Stewart to align his views on the topics with Apple's. And John Stewart said no and walked instead. I mean, there's there's no way for us to know, right? Not really, no. Um, but if we are and, speculating, and, and what's more important is, I'm not gonna. I would not disbelieve that Apple had some requirements for shows about AI and China uh, that Stewart didn't want to agree with. But they, what we don't know is, were they like, don't say anything bad about AI or China, which is what everybody's gonna jump to the conclusion, or was it, oh, when you talk about China. Uh, just make sure don't call Taiwan, Taiwan, uh, because we distribute this in China. And that is a rule when you're distributing in China. And John didn't like that. We, that would have been perfectly reasonable on Apple's part. Uh, so I'm not trying to say that was it or defend one or the other. The, the actual like details of this make a difference, I think. Can, can I throw a crazy theory that I've not heard many people propose? Um, Maybe the show was not very good and not very many people watched it. I would counter argue for season three, though, his, if that was the case. I, I would argue that clips of his show, Cran, I'm talking about clips, clips of his show regularly went viral um, yeah. in and on timeless topics. And so I, I think Apple would would recognize that show had a had an amount of social reach if not just for John Stewart's name alone, right? Even if you didn't know, oh, John Stewart's got a show, whatever. It's, oh yeah, John Stewart's out there grilling people. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then those people get, do they get Apple TV? Like, I think I, I, I like, yeah, none of us really watched it here, but I think they know that there was a lot of play with even just clips, I, moments I, I, of that. I, yeah. I do believe that on the clips, but but I, uh, in my experience, like John Oliver's show is doing much better in that game outside of HBO and Max. Better, better than quality John wise. Stewart. Yeah, even or though you better than John in popularity wise. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess we, I guess we could look that up. I don't, yeah. Or somebody else could. We need Nielsen here. Killers at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. If you want my opinion, and it's not a popular opinion, I don't think either one of them are very good.
They're yeah. funny. Ow. And John Oliver is funnier than John Stewart's Apple TV show. Yeah. More photoshops. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what the chatter's about. You've got mail. All right. BioCal wrote and said, uh, I'm sure you got about 20 of these. But that Calypso version was written by John Williams. Yes, of Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Indy Jones, and the rest. Brian, what is BioCow talking about here? He's talking about our After Talk segment, where we played the original opening to Gilligan's Island in the original pilot, which sounds nothing like anything you've heard before. It's incredible and bonkers and it's a very good reason for you to join us for the after talk segment john williams wrote that yes and it's awful it's awful it's like it's a rambling guy at the edge of the bar to a calypso beat saying anyway there was a captain and he had a first mate <laughs> and a couple of millionaires came along and another thing and another thing happened and then there was a storm and also two characters that don't end up in the series. Anyway, <laughs> I'm great. I Emma, made a like song this. of two notes. Doo -doo -doo. You, know, you know this song, don't Doo -doo 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 -doo. you? Know, but I, can tell. I, I do. I'm actually really, I'm a fan of TV themes. And I, I, I actually, I've hated this one and loved it for a very long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. I, I, would, I wouldn't be lying song. if I said it was a ringtone for a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> And now Brian Brushwood has called. Uh, have you considered moonlighting for your spoiler in time? We are we are looking for the next show uh, to watch after Miami Vice. Uh, Jesse from Seattle says, have you considered moonlighting as it is coming to Hulu? In our after talk segment, I believe we talked about doing the Bryce slice, the beginning and end of Moonlighting, just to see what that would be like. Uh, everybody, cordkillers at gmail.com. Uh, I love the idea of taking just a very brief stone skipping across the ocean view of, of, of many of, of classics. And then finally, Matt says, a recent discussion was about having one service that remembers what you watch and when new stuff comes out. I've used an app called Next Episode on the iPhone for years. You just favorite a show you're watching, and it lets you mark episodes or seasons as watched. In addition to current shows, it tells you what episodes are coming out in the next few months. It's not integrated with any services, but it did just let me know that a new season of Upload is out, which I hadn't been paying attention to. I think there's a free version, but I paid a couple bucks for it, and it's been well worth it. Um, Yes, Matt, there are lots of uh, apps like this. Uh, I use one called TVST. It integrates with the open source tracked database. Uh, it does the same sort of thing. I, I tell it what shows I'm watching. I, I keep track of which episodes I've watched. And then it will tell me, uh, hey, there's a new episode of Upload. I, I, same, same sort of thing. Uh, or Echo comes out January 9th. Uh, or, you know, the, uh, the next episode of Invincible is November 2nd, stuff like is, that. Is, so is, there's a lot of app, apps like this. Um, and I'm not saying which ones are better, but, but yeah, th those are good apps. You have to do them manually though. You have to, you have to tell it what you watch. I, I, I do remember at one point we liked Fanhattan and I still use just watch to this very day. Well, just watch is for telling you where the stuff is. Right. Um, Fanhattan was Comcast. Isn't that right? I, th I think um, it got bought. Yeah. 
I never, I never used Fanhattan. Uh, I, I used reels for a while. I used one that was just called TV on iOS until it stopped being developed. So that's when I switched to TVST. But the, the beauty of this is if you use the tracked database to store all your viewing, you can switch between different apps and you don't lose your viewing history. So it still knows the stuff you watched. I, I know that we have had guests who full on have like a Excel spreadsheet of everything they've watched. That uh, too, yeah. Uh, uh, Hammond, uh, what do you use for this this need? Actually, I just kind of go old school and just write down on paper where the things are I want to watch and then go find them when I have time. Uh, this idea of an app, that's a new idea for me. I'm going to download the one Tom's using and start using it. Yeah, um, again, the one I use is called TVST. Uh, but but you can just look up tracked T A R K T uh, or the one Matt likes is just called next episode. Uh, Hammond, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us. As always, it's a pleasure. If folks want to find out more about what you do, where should they go? I've kind of got Jay Hammond C cornered on the internet. So website, uh, Twitter, uh, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Counter Social, Instagram. Kind of got Jay Hammond C locked down. Sweet. Go look him up. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address, send us those emails, cordkillers at gmail.com. We are live at twitch.tv slash night attack Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I reckon we'll talk to you next time. Oh, we're not done yet, Brian. What? We have more? Yeah, look. Look at all those those names scrolling by. Tom, we just did so many hours of insights into the yes. world of cord killing. But you know why we were able to do all those hours? It's these people right here. These are some of the greatest people of all time. Oh, better than Abraham Lincoln? I believe who, he's on this list. Better than Abraham Lincoln's ghost? Yes. Better than Richard Nixon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, hard to conceive, but I am not a crook or a liar when I tell you they are. Why are all of these names either future or past presidents? It's really weird. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Presidents, Prime everybody. Hope you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>